Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a personal finance blogger here in New Zealand. And in this podcast, I chat to a diverse bunch of people. I learn their story and I condense it down so that you can hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are sharing their experiences, their tips and point of view on personal finance right here in Aotearoa. Now, generally, I find people to speak with for this podcast via my blog. But in today's case, Senia, the wonderful wahine I'm about to tell you all about, was actually dobbed in for the podcast by her friend Karen. So when I approached Senia to ask her to share her journey with money, she was a little surprised to hear from me and had no idea who the Happy Saver even was. But I knew a bit about Senia having watched her YouTube channel, which is called My Fob to Fab Journey, where she has discussed her climb out of debt and what it's like becoming debt-free in a Samoan community. So I had no doubt that her story was one worth sharing with as many people, particularly in the Polynesian community, as I could. So thanks, Karen, for the heads up on Senia, and thanks, Senia, for saying yes. But before I move on, I just wanted to share a message from Pocketsmith, today's sponsor. Every time I'm visiting my Pocketsmith dashboard, my emergency fund balance is staring me in the face, nice and bold and just there. And I always relax when I see it, knowing that if some unexpected big bill comes up, I can cover it. Pocketsmith caters for all walks of life and I worked out how much I should have in this fund by using the Pocketsmith income and expense statement, which had been automatically tracking every single expense, to work out my monthly average spend, which is entirely unique to me. From time to time I dip into it, maybe for a car repair, maybe for an emergency vet bill, and it just instantly cures a financial headache, giving me a sense of calm control over our finances. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, they've got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. That's pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. I managed to get Senia to say yes to a chat, due in large part to her wanting to help her Polynesian people to be better with money. She learned the hard way how not having enough money or using the money you do have unwisely can really cause you to struggle. And she has worked out how to flip the script. And as I'll share with you, she is really on a strong financial footing now. And that is what she wants for all of her community spread across Aotearoa. She really did open her heart to me in the long conversation we had. Talking about money is deeply personal, even more so in her culture, and I was truly honoured that she did so. Now, Senia and her husband Mafala are from Samoa, from a town or a small village to the west of Apia. She is currently age 40, and she only came to New Zealand in 2010, aged about 28. So her whole life prior to the move was shaped by her community, and I really enjoyed learning about the differences between Samoa and New Zealand. She grew up with her large whanau on family land in the home of her dad's parents, where they had many generations under the same roof, as is common in Samoa. She says of her dad's side of the whanau that they are very business-minded, they work for their money and they build things that create wealth without using debt. And as is the case for far too many, money was never discussed as she grew up. Her dad, with the help of her mum, ran many small businesses which were successful at making money to support their family of 10 plus extended family. Senior's early interactions with money came from sitting down on a Friday night with her dad and sorting money for their workers' pay or from handling cash from customers at one of their market stalls where they sold baking and home-cooked food. 
One of the fondest memories she has is of her dad taking her to a plantation that he was growing in partnership with another man, who was a good friend, and feeling his sense of excitement as he shared the vision of what he was creating and what he had accomplished. Her dad, she said, always had a real knack for business, for seeing opportunity, and for making money. He had many things on the go, and with hindsight she could see that he was building each up, and was very much working towards providing a good future for her and her seven siblings, of which Senia is the third oldest. But in a cruel twist of fate, her dad suddenly passed away when she was just 16 years old and in year 11 at school, which left her and her family absolutely devastated, and it's hard to put into words how much his passing negatively impacted her entire whanau. It also meant that all of his business plans were now to remain unfinished. With the primary breadwinner gone, they entered a really tough period of time where she saw her mum really struggle with finances. Running their market stall was a family affair, and with all the duties now falling to her mum, herself and her siblings, it was really tough to keep afloat. And the plantation that could have been a financial lifeline was, in a greedy move, taken by a man they once saw as their friend. And this betrayal of a friend is one of the things that saddened Senia the most. How could he do that to a widow? with eight kids for goodness sake. Adjusting to losing your dad is hard enough, but she also adjusted to a new home when her mum moved her and her siblings into Senia's mother's home, her maternal grandparents' home. Senia carried on at school and her mum was still trying to revive the food store business to bring income in, but it was not the same as before. All a young Senia could see was that when her dad was alive, the money was there, and now that he was gone, they struggled. She has clear memories of waiting for her mum to have the first sale of the day at their stall so that she had enough money to get to school and buy some lunch. There was no state-sponsored social support available to them and she said there is still none. So when a tragedy strikes a family in this way, they very much rely on Fano coming together to support one another and this practice is very present today. Senia has a deep respect for both sides of her family and she was grateful to have a roof over their heads and be with her maternal grandparents. But it was a huge change for her as the relatives she now lived more closely with earned and spent their money quite differently to what she had seen growing up, with any money they earned being very quickly used up. Schooling remained extremely important though, and she remains grateful to her mum and her whanau that she was able to continue her schooling right up to the end of year 13. But she said she didn't do that well at school, And who could blame her? It's not surprising that when your home life is all upside down, that you can't concentrate at school. So straight out of school, she looked for a job. She didn't even dare to ask her mum if she could pursue studying at Polytech. And there was no point anyway, she said, because her grades were just too low. So she got a job as a shop assistant in a video shop back when they were a thing. And whatever money she got, she gave it all to her mum to support her younger siblings. And she said it was a joy for her to be able to help. By now, her older sister had moved to New Zealand and just started a family, so she could not send support back to her mum, which they totally understood. Her older brother was in Samoa. He had a job, but also had a family of his own, and he would also support his mum and siblings if he could. Senior said that it's the responsibility of the older siblings to help their mum to make sure the younger ones have what they need and can go to school. Even though they were scratching around for money, still, it was never talked about except to say that they didn't have enough. Senia giving all of her money to her mum was just how she was raised, and she was content to do it and continued on this way for many years. 
She never saved and never kept any for herself either because knowing the family was well fed and her younger siblings were able to finish studies was the most important thing. But Senia did get a chance to pursue her own interests for a period of time. She visited her sister in New Zealand to see if there was anything for her in this country, but at the time there was not, so she returned home. And one day when she was working at the video shop, she was approached to take part in a dance troupe that was heading to Taiwan for three months. She asked Mafala, her boyfriend at the time, who she met when she was just 19, to sit tight. She would come back and she asked her mum if she could go. It was a big yes, so she worked at the video store while practising her dancing at night before heading off on an exciting OE. She doesn't know why her mum did say yes, but she was grateful and blessed to have that experience. And when she returned, she reconnected with her boyfriend, found restaurant work and once again supported her family with her wages and tips. While she was away in Taiwan, her mum remarried and moved with Senia's siblings into her new husband's family home, so Senia felt it was time for her to think about what her own future might look like outside of the family home. She settled into working, and when she was paid, always in cash, on a Friday, she would go straight to the market and do the shopping for the family. Her boyfriend, Mafala, who was running a local taxi business, said she was the first person he had met that gave all her money to her family. And although he tried to coax her to come out and hang out with him instead on a Friday, she always insisted on taking care of Fano first. He could see she was an exceptionally kind and warm-hearted person. He could tell she had a high moral code and he was impressed by her good intentions every single week. He could also see that she was conflicted about where she should live. So he did what any boyfriend might do and he said, well, why don't you move in with me? So with the approval of their wider family, she moved in with his family. It was an unusual move and it did cause a bit of a stir to not be married, given that her mum's family is deeply Catholic and her dad's Mormon, but she said she trusted her boyfriend with all her heart and it was the right decision to make. And they lived on his shared family land and they had their own space and they got on with making a living. They wanted to get married, but Samoan weddings, she said, are huge and expensive and she didn't want to put that pressure on her family. So they did it in secret, just a simple wedding with two witnesses. She said that they bought the rings at 11am and they were married by 1 o'clock and it cost them just $200. They went out for lunch at the very well-known Sunrise Restaurant in Apia and let the family know a short while later. And as soon as they found out, his family arced up the barbecue and they celebrated. Once married, they also continued to support her mum and younger siblings. As soon as they had become a couple, all those years before, Mafala started to put both of their names in the ballot to come to New Zealand. And now please excuse my complete ignorance here, but I didn't even know this was a thing. But each year, Immigration New Zealand pulls 1,100 names of people between the ages of 18 to 45 out of the hat, and they invite those people to apply for residence in New Zealand. If they are then granted a resident visa, they will then be able to work, live and study here indefinitely. You have to have a job offer that pays enough to support you and your whanau when you arrive and you must be able to read, write and speak English. So every single year he applied on behalf of the two of them, but year after year they missed out. So on life went. Their first baby was born in New Zealand in 2003 and it was quite common to come to New Zealand for the birth and doing so gave her daughter citizenship, but this arrangement has since been stopped, Senia told me. In order to make the trip to New Zealand happen, her husband worked hard and built up savings to pay for her fare, to support herself while she was staying with Fano, and for him to come over and be at the birth of their baby. 
He planned everything, she said. She stayed in New Zealand a total of five to six months before returning home to Samoa. Then three years later, to the day in fact, they welcomed their second baby, this time a boy. That's one way to save money on parties, just share a birthday. She was a busy mum, but Senior had always been interested in doing some study. Her final years of school didn't go that well for her, she didn't take it seriously enough, and family life was challenging, she said, but having kids changed her whole perspective on education. So, in 2010, she got the opportunity by way of a New Zealand-funded scholarship, a student allowance, plus paid-for student accommodation, to travel to Rotorua to study information technology-related subjects for one year. At that time, she was working for a telecommunications company in Samoa, and when she approached them with this opportunity, they supported her decision to go. Generously, they also kept paying her full pay all the time she was away, which meant she could support her family. The only catch to the offer was that when she returned, she would have to continue working for them for another two years. If she left before then, she would have to refund them in full. So, in a bold move and a really hard move, she left her two young children, aged just four and seven, in the care of her husband in Wairafano, and off she went. Now, I remember when I was at university seeing older people studying, and by older, we meant like anyone mid-twenties or over. They were the most disciplined and focused of all. Senior said it was her kids and her husband and being away from them that really drove her to succeed, and succeed she did. She excelled as an A-plus student. There is huge benefit to holding off on your study until you have a little life experience behind you to push you along. Now, in a happy twist of fate, also in 2010, their names were finally drawn from the ballot, and now the challenge began for Mafala to find employment that could support a family of four in New Zealand. New Zealand companies travelled to Samoa to recruit people, and he managed to be at the right place at the right time to be interviewed for work. He had to push his case though, firstly getting past a bit of Samoan bureaucracy to get inside the building to get his name on the list of people looking for work. And she said of her husband that he knew he was working in an unfair system and he knew he had to push his case and fight for what he wanted. She said he is very focused, very family orientated and he has a can-do attitude. She said that in his interview he just poured his heart out to who he later discovered was the big boss and he was instantly given the chance to sit the relevant qualifying tests. He received a job offer from Ashburton-based meat processing company Ansco Foods, and from that moment on, it was all go. She returned to Samoa in November of 2010, having completed her course, and Mafala wound up his taxi business and left for New Zealand just two weeks later to begin his new job and pave the way for Senia and their kids to join him. Senior went straight back to her employer at the telecommunications company, feeling terrible that she had been away most of that year and now she was about to resign. But it was now or never and she knew she had to keep the faith that they were doing the right thing. Her manager, she said, was very understanding. They know how the quota system works and they said, Senior, things are working out for you. You have young kids, grab the opportunity. You need to just go. Although they went into bat for her to try to get it waived, unfortunately she would now have to pay back what worked out to be about 13000 New Zealand dollars, all the wages they had paid while she studied in New Zealand. They agreed to let her go, but her sibling in Samoa, who worked for the same company, had to sign for this debt, which is quite the trap. There was no way Senior could not honour this debt. 
So this became the first of a number of consumer debts which would eventually total up to around 70,000 New Zealand dollars. Prior to this, she had never had a debt in her life. It was just not a thing in Samoa at that time. But she wanted to stress to those listening, don't run away from the things you need to pay. If you use the electricity, pay the bill. Same story about the agreement with her employer. Because they paid her while she was away, she knows her whānau was well looked after because she got that paycheck every two weeks. And she has to honour that. That is the type of person she is, one that does not make excuses. So with that promise made, with their two kids, she followed her husband to Ashburton, arriving on Christmas Eve 2010. I can't imagine any more of a culture shock than going from Apia to Ashburton. His company provided support to help new employees settle into their new life and had got him settled by connecting him with someone from the Samoan community who incidentally was a classmate from his old school. He moved in with that family and Senior and the kids joined them there for just a month until they could find a home of their own to rent. Senior said that they were a very loving and supportive family and they taught a very good lesson that when someone needs a start, you help out. Although they had sold or given away all of their stuff in Samoa, they were not that flush with cash by New Zealand standards. So when, soon after she arrived, they went looking for a car, they didn't have enough money to buy one outright. No bother, they were able to take out a $8,999 car loan. Thinking back, she said they should not have purchased such an expensive car given their financial situation, but to their credit, they are still driving the same car today, and all of them have learned to drive in that same car. So I asked what their thinking was at the time about taking on a car loan. She said that coming from Samoa, they really just didn't know how things worked here. In Samoa at that time, you would have loaned money from the bank and then gone to buy the car. Over here, when the car dealer said that they could arrange it all for them and was happy to help them, they went along with it. What a helpful guy. He asked for proof of earnings and he could see that they had no other loans in New Zealand, so was more than happy to approve them and Senior said it was so easy to get into it, no deposit required. There seemed no reason to say no and they needed a car. Knowing what she knows now, they should have waited for a bit and saved up and paid cash, but they just didn't know any better at the time, so they just went with it. Plus, in an area like Ashburton, you really do need a car to get around, and there is little public transport going in the direction you need it to. She said that higher purchase type payment systems have just been introduced to Samoa, which is very sad, and she said that knowing the struggle that people are already going through, this is a huge upcoming problem. At that time though, her husband's income felt huge compared to where they'd come from, so she thinks that maybe they paid $100 a week in payments and it felt very manageable alongside the money that they had to pay back to her former employer. So next they had to find somewhere to rent, which was very hard to do, and it was all very new to them. Samoans live in their own homes on family land, which is generally mostly if not entirely paid for, so paying rent was new. They went to a lot of viewings and eventually found a house for $240 a week, which was manageable on one income, and they paid a $1,000 bond, which they had saved the cash for. They enrolled their daughter at a very good primary school that was within walking distance, and they're grateful that the family they were staying with offered all the beds, the linen, and the furniture that was in the room that they were staying in, so they took all of that to their new house. But other than that, they had nothing. So they drove one hour north in their new car, and went to Kmart in Christchurch and bought a dinner set that had four of everything, plus some more basics, and then they went back to their new house, they sat on the floor, 
and they said their prayers. After such a huge amount of upheaval, they finally had a house of their own. Her husband was working afternoon and night shifts, and Senia was looking after their two little ones, but she had it in her mind that once the kids were settled, she wanted to work. Plus, she said now they had rent, a car payment, and the debt back home to service. When the Christchurch earthquakes began in 2011, the landlord, who they never met, they only ever saw the property manager, they took the opportunity to really tap into the supply and demand side of owning rental property, and they kept increasing the rent. In a short space of time, it went from 240 to 260 to 280 and beyond. It just kept climbing, and each time it did, it took a little more of their take-home pay. Senior wanted more money coming in, so she applied and got a job at a local business doing administration work, and she was grateful to get that job, but it was a struggle to fit it around her husband's work hours and their kids' school drop-offs and pickups. She stayed for about a year, and her employers were good people, and they really tried their best to make it work, but in the end, even though she really wanted to work hard and establish her family in Ashburton and pay back their debts, she had to leave because the hours just didn't suit. So she looked for a job that worked around her whanau and she ended up working at a local petrol station. And get this, she worked the midnight to dawn shift and weekends. Put simply, she did what she had to do to work hand in hand with her husband and get established. And she did these hours for about 12 months. And man, do I admire Senior. Would you do that? Many wouldn't. But necessity is the mother of all invention and sometimes you just do what you have to do because she recognised that it would only be for a short period of time. But despite all the hard mahi, little by little more debt crept into their lives. The washing machine broke down at one point, so they put a new one on finance. But even though they went to the store for just a washer, they came out with a dryer as well. Why not? There was a good deal on buying both. And they were both working, meaning that they were easily approved for financing them. Although she was handling the finances, the reality was that neither of them were concentrating on the money. There was no budget, and apart from KiwiSaver, no saving. She didn't know anything about how to do that. When both of their pays landed in their bank, the only thing in her mind was to make sure the bills were paid and up to date, and that the rent was paid. They were never ever behind on anything. But the thing is that when everything was taken care of, the money that was left over was viewed as money that they could just spend. That was the mindset. And they just kept being slack with their money. They added a TV on HP and then two laptops. In hindsight, she says, she was just so stupid. But in her defence, she didn't know any better at the time. All of these things were available to them. So why not? And although her husband wasn't keen, she next applied to work where he was working at the meat processing plant. He didn't want her working on the line, standing for much of the time and handling knives. She didn't like the thought of it either. It was kind of like facing her worst fear, working at a meat processing factory, given that she hates the sight of blood. But Senia had heard of other ladies from Samoa working there, and if they could do it, well, she could too. Add into the mix a little more debt, this time a credit card, so that she could purchase items to send back home to her mum, so that she could unsell them. And shipping stuff to Samoa is not cheap. And there was never a thought that if her mum made a profit, then Senior would be paid back. Therefore, the credit cards would have to be paid from their take-home pay, just like all the other debt that they now had. Then they got a second car on finance as well. And bit by bit, they added a new monthly payment. And little by little, it sucked up all of their future income, almost by stealth. They got letters in the mail saying, you are approved for a credit card. So they just signed them and started using them. She said it felt like our money, and they used it as such. 
So they both just kept on working. She worked days, he worked nights, and they had the weekends off. At home, in their rental with its ever-increasing rent, they were beginning to tire of it. The house sounded to be in quite poor condition. There was one particular day that tipped them over the edge. It was a rainy day. They arrived home, and there had been a leak in the roof right on top of their couches, which they had also bought on hire purchase, by the way. And she said, I am sick of this place. We need to move. And he said, wait, hold up. I want us to move from a rental into our own home. He was determined. That was his mindset. And although their focus still was not on saving, the only good thing that they had done in that regards was when they started working here in New Zealand, they put money into their KiwiSaver from day one. And it was that which got them a $50,000 deposit on a $295,000 home in the suburbs of Ashburton, which they bought in 2014. So now their rent was going towards a mortgage and they were creating equity for the very first time. She stayed at Ansco for close to six years. After three years, she moved to a position within the company which had better hours, although she said it was the stinkiest place that she had ever worked, so that she could get home before he left for work and they could have a bit of time together and Senior also had a bit of time to unwind before the kids finished school. She was grateful that the hours really worked for both of them. Meanwhile, there was a cue card that came through the mail. They didn't even apply for it, it just turned up. And the day they received it, they were like, ah, just accept it and we'll use it when we need it. And they carried the card around in their wallet for a long time. One day, they went up to Christchurch to have a wander around the shops. They stopped at a furniture shop and they spotted some beds. And he said, you know what? Our whole life, we have slept on used beds. That's true, she said. So why not upgrade to brand new beds for all? So out came the cue card, just like that. All money to be paid back. It was so easy. Too easy. When you don't have your eye on the ball, it's simple to run up debt. When you don't absorb the total cost of a purchase, instead just its weekly, fortnightly or monthly payment, you are turning a blind eye to the reality of your situation. So, when did the wake-up call come, I hear you ask? It took them seven years to build up $70,000 of consumer debt plus their mortgage. Digging their way out of debt started in 2017 when she was transferred to a new department in her third year at the Meatworks. And all it takes sometimes is the right conversation at the right time. Her supervisor, she said, was very open with her whenever the subject of money came up and he always talked about being mortgage-free and it got her very interested as to how he did it. She wanted to know his plan and what he did to remain both debt-free and mortgage-free. Now, from what I have observed from the lovely long chat I had with Senia, she is very quietly spoken but very observant. Her questioning would have been very subtle, not bullet the gate like mine, And little by little, she learned a few important things from her supervisor. Plus, a new position came up, which meant that she had the chance to attend weekly meetings with both the supervisor and a manager. Almost every meeting, the manager said, you got to know your numbers, meaning the weekly results that their department was doing. So that started it all. You've got to know your numbers. As an employee, she was always striving to achieve and really helping to get good weekly results for her company. She knew her numbers at work and she met them, but then she said to herself, here I am working so hard to improve company numbers, what about my own numbers? I don't know my own numbers. And that's where it all started from. So she combined those two views together, the supervisor saying they were consumer debt free and mortgage debt free, and the manager saying, you've got to know your numbers. She thought, right, 
It's time to sit down and add everything up. So at their kitchen table, she got out a pen and paper and she wrote down everything they owed money on and she didn't leave a single thing out. She realized they had nothing, no money left over. They were living pay to pay. Once they realized how deep into debt they were, that is when things started to get serious. She understood quite clearly that if they kept going the way they were, they would slide further into debt and just relaying this to me made Senior quite emotional. They realized their precarious position and they decided to act. And in my experience, it takes a wake-up call just like this to force people to act. So how did she start? She logged into all of their accounts to find the balances owing. She wrote a long list. She had one credit card, he had two. There was a cue card with an outstanding balance. And by this point, those comfy beds that they had purchased them with were not soothing them to sleep at night due to the stress about their financial situation. There was the debt in Samoa that they were still paying off and a multitude of HPs demanding regular payments. She got the totals of every single thing they owed money on, they noted it all down and it came to $70,000. At this point, her and her husband started to talk. She showed him the numbers and what they owed and she said that they needed to act. But he was dubious about how serious she was. Apparently, in the past, he had tried to encourage her to ease up on the spending, but because neither of them felt any pain around their spending, nothing ever changed. The money got spent and he gave up trying. This time he said, why should I believe you? You are never serious about money stuff. But she showed him the paper detailing every single debt and she said, you gotta know your numbers. Now I know my numbers and I am serious. Everything changed, she said, because their perspective on money had changed. They united as a team, which is absolutely crucial. And although they had meandered their way into debt by not paying attention, by goodness, they were going to focus and get out of it now. Her interest in becoming debt-free was ignited and it got her very eager to ask questions. She was not afraid to hold back anymore. The supervisor at work was still unaware of this new fire in her, but just with the passing comments he made, such as telling her, get that monkey off your back, get rid of your debt, it really did push her on. He talked to her as if he were her dad, and every dad wants their child to be free. She is so grateful that he changed her mindset without even knowing the impacts his words were having. And then she shared with me one lovely anecdote. Just before this person retired from work, she took her chart to work that she had been using to manually cross off every debt that they had. She asked for a moment of his time, and this quietly spoken, astute but reserved woman got her chart from her locker and she showed it to him, saying, you made me do this, you made me become debt-free, and I want to say thank you in person. Which, I'm not going to lie to you, had me tearing up as she told me. She didn't want him to leave without knowing how much his words of wisdom meant to her, and she wanted to thank him face to face. And he was like, wow, I didn't know about this chart. He didn't know that all this time that he had been dropping bits of advice, she had not only been listening, but she was actually doing what he said. And he could see that she had started with 70 grand of debt and had been colouring in sections as she paid off debt. But the coolest thing in my view was that during that coming week, she was becoming completely consumer debt free. It must have completely made this guy's day. So as a family, they gathered to colour in that final amount. Mafala coloured in that final debt and with that, it was done. They began to pay it off in June of 2017 and finished it up in June of 2019. And throughout that time, they were earning about $130,000 a year in combined income. 
Senia is grateful that the kids were old enough to understand because she said to see their mum and dad so united to do this really big thing will be a life lesson for them. Her tamariki played their part as well, especially when they took the scissors to their credit cards and store cards to cut them up. And she said that the sacrifice to become free of consumer debt and to turn their backs on it for good was a true collective effort. And hands down, paying off their $70,000 of consumer debt in just two years is their biggest financial success to date. Senior said that she never wavered. She never got tired and she felt fired up knowing that she was doing this for her whanau. Knowing her numbers got her focused and it really got her fired up to keep going. And as the number decreased, it made her realise that, man, it does not matter how deep you are into debt. If you stay focused, you will get there. And how did they celebrate such a huge milestone? Well, it was a simple celebration where they said a prayer and they got takeaways. And just to show that for most of us, we often take two steps forward and then one step back, Senior says that her greatest financial mistake was that after paying off all of that consumer debt, she did splurge a little too much on buying herself jewellery. Her regret is that the money spent at that time, and she estimates it was probably about $4,500, would have been far better spent as she had have applied it to the mortgage. Now the focus is to become completely debt-free, including owning their own home with no mortgage. Their house has gone up in value since buying it in 2014 for $295,000, and its value is somewhere over the $400,000 mark now. Their number one goal is to be mortgage-free within the next two years, which will be sometime in 2024, which will mean that their 30-year mortgage will be paid off in just 10 years. She said that the day before we spoke, she actually got their monthly letter from the bank telling them that with their current payment, they will be mortgage-free in five years. They currently owe about $100,000, but it all comes down to mindset. Because they are making extra payments, they keep upping their payments, and the interest they have to pay is decreasing because the principal owing is also decreasing. And she is adamant it will take just two years. They are paying four times the amount they should be paying, And the only reason they can do this is because they have money coming in and they don't have consumer debt sucking up all of that money. Now, I know that within the Polynesian community, there is a lot of financial pressure on families to share wealth and to support others. So what advice would she have to share? She said there's always a fine line for everything. There is no need to go beyond what you can afford to satisfy the obligation that you have to support family. She explained the concept of far lovey-lovey to me as the practice of contributing money to large occasions such as funerals, weddings or significant birthdays and just generally helping other family out. You give, she said, because it is a way of life. But she said that you can still give to others as they have given to you, but you need to stick with the budget you've set yourself to feed and educate your whānau first. She said that our far lovey-lovey actually just came up in her family and it was for a funeral. And on this occasion, she said no to contributing money though. The reason being because the person was not close to them. And although they deeply feel their loss, just because they are consumer debt free, it doesn't mean the money piles up. They have things they are planning for. Paying off their home and their oldest child going to uni debt free are very high priorities for them right now. She said that our falavi lavi is an old mentality formed over generations and generations. But it's causing this generation to be broke and it has to stop. So she and her husband are making that conscious decision within her own whānau. So she said to others, don't be afraid to say no. Her priority is her own family and seeing them grow 
and succeed because her kids depend on her. Second to that is her responsibility to look after their mums back in Samoa. Now, Senia has a massive heart, but other than these situations, if at the time that they are asked they don't have the money to spare, the answer is no, and she feels a great deal of concern for others if they are putting on a show by having big parties and Senior knows they could be making different and better choices with that income. In April of 2021, Senior changed jobs again. Although grateful to her employers at ANSCO, work was getting a bit boring and she had run out of things to learn. Plus she felt the need to go back to study and it was the first time she had ever experienced getting bored at work and she said to her husband, you know what, I think I can do better. And she started to look for work somewhere that has a positive impact in her life and in the lives of others. By this time, they had built up a savings buffer of $20,000 to allow her to make this move, and this meant she was able to resign in April of 2021 without having a new job immediately lined up, and that is what being more financially independent allows you to do. She tried some study with the Open Polytechnic doing a finance-related paper, but near the end of the paper, she lacked the commitment required to put in the work to pass. She knew when she submitted it, she said, that she had not put in enough effort due in part to her starting her YouTube channel and sure enough she failed. She was looking to get more educated around money and there are courses available for this but in my experience they're not teaching personal finance education which is what she was really looking for, ways to manage their own putia and invest for their future. Those courses tend to be more business orientated but she paid cash for it and got some knowledge out of it too and we'll chalk that one up to experience, I think. And although it's a pain that she failed the paper, I think it is excellent that she got to test without too much financial risk involved whether study was actually for her at this time, which apparently it's not. Her YouTube channel is for her Polynesian people, and it is where she shares her knowledge of money, raising a family, and to record family memories, and as a space to show her kids the advice that she wants to share. She doesn't upload too often, but she said that there's a huge community of polytubers online. In June of 2021, she took on a short-term 10-month contract as an administrator in the healthcare sector, and just a few months in, a full-time 40-hour-a-week job came up, which she applied for and, of course, got. Senior's daughter, through hard work and diligence, did extremely well at school and is currently studying at university down in Dunedin, and this is something that they have been preparing for. The first year of fees is of course free in New Zealand, which is a huge help, plus her daughter applied for as many scholarships as she could. She won a $15,000 University of Otago scholarship which will pay for her accommodation this year. Also, Ansco Meets had just begun offering scholarships for kids of workers and she was fortunate to win one of those as well, which was $5,000 per year for three years. Now this is a huge help to pay their way. Plus, there was a local women's group called Altrusa who offered a $1,000 scholarship for a science student, which she won. So they have costed out each year of study and their planning is paying off as they know where the money is coming from to pay for it in cash. So this year has not been as financially painful as it could have been, but that has in large part been down to their daughter actively seeking out these scholarships and putting time and effort into the applications. Plus the fact that as a family they are actively planning to avoid taking on any student debt, which can absolutely be done. Senior and her husband also top her up with a little spending money and a little savings as well. Now, their daughter could have attended Auckland University, 
but they were careful about their choice, applying both math and practicality to the decision. Although it would have been great to be up in Auckland and part of a bigger Pacifica community, they wanted her closer in case either of them need each other, because it's just a car ride to help out instead of flying to Auckland. I wondered if their daughter would work her way through uni. Their answer is no, because they want her to focus on her studies because education is incredibly important to them. While she appreciates it's good for them to experience working, they worry about their daughter not being able to stick with their studies if she gets too busy with work. They want both of their children to focus solely on study, and the good thing about them openly discussing money at home is that their tamariki both know their parents are working to make things happen. So it's not like they are just cruising, they can see the effort that the whole family is putting into helping their education. Now, I asked what podcasts, what books, etc. that Senia used to help her work out why and how to get out of debt. Well, in the beginning, she was thinking, I am the only one in debt. I'm so stupid for getting into debt. But when she started Googling debt-free related searches, she found all these other people documenting their journey about becoming debt-free. And that is why she wanted to share her own journey here today. If her story can show others who have taken on consumer debt and are sinking further and further into it, that you can stop the slide, she wants you to know that you are not alone. Now, one podcast that she always follows is The Ramsey Show, and I can see how she would relate to all of the people who phone into his radio show podcast. They're all on a journey to get out of debt, and their unique situations are really motivating. She said her whanau are sick of hearing his show, which I thought was hilarious. His show is known for the debt-free screens, where people who have become consumer debt-free and or mortgage debt-free come onto his show, explain how they did it, and then they shout to the world that they are debt-free. It's very, very American. Uh, As a family, they did their own debt-free screen privately, where they gathered together in their home and shouted as a family, we're debt-free. It was quite the milestone. Now, on to some of my favorite questions. If I were to give Senia $10,000 right now, what would she do with it? Well, because their goal is to pay off the mortgage ASAP, it would go straight to it. But if she was already mortgage-free, she would definitely put it into diversified share investments. While getting out of debt, what is the biggest thing she said no to, I asked? While on the journey, she said that she was very strict on where their money was spent because she was so focused. So it was probably saying no to going out to eat at restaurants and buying takeaways like they used to. She just avoided all other shops if she didn't have to go into them. And she still remembers going into some of these shops after becoming debt-free And it just felt like another world as they had stayed away from them for so long. Next, I asked what is the most extravagant thing that she's purchased for herself in the last 90 days. Well, it was probably an unplanned family weekend to Dunedin to visit their daughter and to have some family time together. It was extravagant to them because they booked a hotel to stay in, something they would not normally splurge on. And what might their three main financial habits be, the things that they just automatically do? She always pays all bills on time, and this was the case when they had all that debt as well. They never missed a payment. Any extra money from the budget will go directly to the floating component of their mortgage, since she has already maxed out the amount that she can pay on the fixed part of their mortgage. And lastly, every fortnight she always updates her book, where she tracks the balances of their fixed and floating mortgage, their KiwiSaver balances, and the total amount of interest that they have paid, because knowing all these numbers helps keep her motivated to keep pushing. She is always trying to maximise the work her money can do and lessen the money she's spending paying interest payments. She keeps a pretty good track of their yearly expenses. 
or what it takes, not including mortgage payments, to manage their family. It's about $24,000 a year or about $460 a week, which includes all of their insurances, land rates, groceries, petrol, electricity, internet, and including setting some money aside for medical costs. Now, this is a very low amount by most people's standards, but I've come to realize that for those who are really plugged into their numbers and who have a very specific goal and time frame in mind, this low amount is not unusual. And it is the figure that people question me on as well after hearing these podcasts. But having spent about three hours chatting to Senia and getting a feel for how in touch with her earning and spending she is, this figure will be accurate. And how does she do it? How do you live on such a small amount of money each week? She runs a tight ship, that's for sure. She sets an amount of money aside for their weekly grocery shopping and makes sure that they stick to it as best they can. She admits that groceries is one area that they tend to overspend sometimes, but all other areas of spending have been calculated based off previous historical spending, and then the budget is all set. If there is any money left in a category at the end of a period, will they just transfer it to the floating mortgage? Even if it's only a few dollars, they move it across. So in regards to money, I wondered if there was anything keeping them awake at night. She said she is always worried about the mortgage because anything can happen. And she is correct. While you owe money to someone else, there is always a level of risk involved. Interest rates may change, which they definitely are currently doing. Your employment status might change. There are many variables. But Senior prays that they will be able to achieve their family goals while they are still young enough to enjoy life. I have no doubt that they will. Apart from their regular KiwiSaver contributions from their wages, I wondered if Senia had any other investments. They do have a small share portfolio using sharesies. They only invest a little because their focus is on becoming mortgage-free. As soon as that is done, they will be able to explore other investments as a way to grow long-term wealth. Now, if you have not already picked up some tips and ideas from Senia, I asked her directly what advice she would have for those listening to this, particularly those in their late teens and early 20s just starting out in life. She said, be smart with your hard-earned money, because if you start being smart with your putia early, you can have all the options in front of you to do whatever you want as you grow. You can even choose to make work optional earlier than most simply by starting to make good choices early. Also, never get tired of learning from the people who have done well with their finances. Have an open ear and heart when someone shares their stories of success and be hungry enough to dig more information out of them because most people are willing to share their stories in order for you to win. They want you to avoid the mistakes that they have made themselves. And she said, for my Pacifica people, be brave to say no if a request doesn't align with what your goals are. And remember, a short time of sacrifice can give you a lifetime of freedom. Our world has normalized that we need to be in an 8 to 5 job, but there's more to life than just working and paying bills. Start making good decisions with your money early and your future self will thank you for it. If Senia knew at 18 what she knows today at 40, she would have stayed away from all debt and focused instead on savings and investment. She would also have worked harder to build up her KiwiSaver so that she could have put an even bigger deposit on a home so that they didn't have to have a big mortgage, saving thousands of dollars in interest over time. Now, Senia had a number of suggestions of resources to follow up on, many of which I had not heard of. Now, she didn't mention it because she's far too modest, but I'll pop her own YouTube channel right at the start. It's My Fob to Fab Journey. So that's My F-O-B 
to FAB journey. Now, once again, the Ramsey Show gets a mention because of his debt-free screams, seeing the turning points in other people's journey with money and the encouragement offered him by both himself and their Facebook group. Rich House, Poor House is a TV documentary series which explored Britain's wealth divide, Our Rich Journey on YouTube, the UK series called Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away. This follows bailiffs as they visit those who have defaulted on their debt and it digs into their backstories. YouTube channel His and Her Money and Sugar Mama TV by Australian Canna Campbell who I continue to hear good things about. Phew, we're almost there but before I finish up today I just have another quick message from Pocketsmith, today's sponsor. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, they've got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. That's pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. Firstly, Namihi Nui, a big thank you to Senia for speaking with me. She had not heard of my blog or podcast before, so really went out of her way to chat. But as I explained to her, this podcast is about sharing her ongoing journey with money and also to help and inspire as many people in the Pacifica community as we can so that they can change their lives. I asked her if there were any last words she would like to add that she thinks would be useful to her community, and I'm going to end with her thoughts. She said to my Polynesian people, never be afraid to say no to far lovey lovey if you can't afford it, particularly if you don't even know the people involved. Culture is something that is sacred to us and we are all proud of, but once it's gone beyond the line where by being generous to others, you can't pay your own electricity, food, or even your rent, then love yourself enough to say no. If you can afford it, great, but if you decide to get a loan in order to fulfill an obligation to our falavi lavi, then in Senia's opinion, no. She said, we came so far in life not to go further. Let us be the change to make things better. Care more about the people that we love and know well and focus on what's best for them. Having an extravagant wedding doesn't mean that the marriage will last forever. So why not think of other ways to help like putting money towards the newlyweds new home deposit or putting the money for that huge birthday celebration into a share portfolio for the child instead so that in the future that money can be used for their education. It's time for us to think about generational wealth. So what about checking your net worth or learning the power of compounding interest on savings and investments? Think of real life scenarios and plan for our loved ones to be secure and live a comfortable life if we're not around anymore, especially for the generations to come after ours. So that's where I'm going to finish up this week with the words of that very wise woman. I'm so very grateful to Senia for giving me an insight into her finances and how they arrested the decline into debt, and then they fought their way back out. I felt truly inspired by her determination to create an amazing future for her, for Mafala, and for their entire whanau. They are setting such a good example to their own kids, and hopefully, when they become mortgage debt-free, she uploads a debt-free screen to her own YouTube channel when that time comes. I really look forward to hearing it, Senia. So that's all from me this week. And if you want to get in touch, you know you can find me at thehappysaver.com. And I would love it if you could leave me a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And please do share it with your friends. It is the best way that people can learn about the podcast. And of course, I would love it if you would talk more about Putia with your own friends in Fano and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving. Mm-hmm.